0: This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampinato. This is the Stick Play Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Sick Blade Podcast. I'm your host for tonight, Jordan Lindscott, Scott, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim Stompinato, David Barnhouse, and Nick LePage. We have a really special piece of uh, content for you guys this week. We're going to be talking to Max Boltman of The Athletic. Um, he basically covers the Detroit Red Wings for the uh, organization. All of like the big news, the trades, um, prospects, development, all that sort of stuff, Max covers it all on The Athletic. Basically, if you haven't uh, heard of The Athletic, it's a website that covers all sorts of sports, whether it be hockey, MLB, the NBA, the NFL. Basically, if it's a sport, The Athletic covers it. They have tons of content on it, so check it out whenever you get a moment. But Like I said, Max is The Athletic's Red Wings go-to guy, and we have him on the uh, show to talk about just a couple things for The Red Wings the preseason's over. The upcoming regular season is on the horizon in a couple of days. I think it's two days out now, so we're kind of going to just pick his brain about you know what we can expect this year for the club moving forward. Talk a little bit about what the Blackhawks have been doing as well, because at the end of the day, this is a Black a Blackhawks and a Red Wings podcast, so I'd feel like we have to touch on that a little bit. But everybody, everybody, welcome to the show, Max Boltman.
1: Welcome, you guys. You. How's, it how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Great.
2: Doing really good. I really appreciate you guys having me back. I didn't uh, bomb the first appearance. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I say, it's
3: always uh, good to have friend of the podcast, uh, Max Boltman, on. You know, yeah, we're sort of turning right. into an athletic. Uh, you know, we love the athletic over here. Just getting anybody we can. That's good oh. to have you back, Max. Uh, I'm sure a couple of us, I know myself included, we've got some sort of follow up questions from the last time we talked. Uh, sort of bringing some stuff back. Yep. Uh, gonna be a great little episode.
1: Hey, it's our
4: first recurring guest too. So um,
1: (laughs) I think when we had you on last time, we were both predicting the wings and Hawks to be bottom barrel teams and the Blackhawks surprised everybody. It was a different year than we expected for sure.
2: Yeah. I think the goaltending was, I mean, I I think, I don't know if I was talking about on this show or not, but I think I was predicting Chicago's goaltending to be, if not the worst in the league, one of the worst in the league. And then out comes Kevin Lankinen and, and it very much was not. So that, that was to me, the story of their season last year. Yeah. Nick had a very huge crush on length last year. <laughs> oh,
3: him and Hagel uh, to flush. me were the two players. Like, obviously I'm a big Khrushchev fan. i have been, uh, both Nick and I had been talking about him a lot leading up to the season, but I think Lankinen and Hagel were two of those players that everyone sort of stepped back and went, wait a minute, wait, wait, I, I was expecting, you know, heartbreak this season. What's going on here? So those were definitely, and I'm glad to see them taking steps forward this year. It doesn't seem, you know, based on preseason, it seems like they're only getting more confident.
0: So, I mean, Max, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit first. I think about the Red Wings new toys, um, <laughs> Lucas Raymond and Moritz Seider. I, I mean, everybody knew going into this season that Moritz Sider was going to be a lock basically for the defensive group. Steve Eisman made that pretty apparent when he talked to the media Lucas Raymond, on the other hand, a kid who I think a lot of fans thought was going to go to Grand Rapids this year, and he makes the club out of camp. Um, What are your impressions just so far about both of those guys? What we've seen on preseason?
2: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I agree with you. Like, I, I thought Lucas Raymond was probably ticketed for Grand Rapids. In fact, if you had had me rank the rookies, the rookie forwards in order of likeliest to make the opening night roster, I think he'd have been third for me behind. Joe Valeno and Jonathan Berger and just because we had seen so much more track record out of Berger and, and Valeno. obviously, you know, they're, they're two years older. And so they, they've played more pro hockey, but yeah, Raymond showed up and, and I think maybe it took uh, a game of the prospect tournament to kind of get his legs back. He had been off for, I think, seven months, um, but once he did, he was a monster and and you saw the the sense really take over. He's a smart player. He scores two goals in a second game. And I think that really launches him into camp he kind of hits the ground running in camp and he starts the preseason on a tear he had six six points in his first three preseason games um obviously the most notable of which actually came against chicago he has a goal and assist against something close to chicago's nhl roster against mark andre Fleury, and that was i think the point where you said okay this guy's really got a really good shot to make this team he actually waned a little bit offensively after that. he didn't score again in the rest of the three games in the preseason but I think kind of importantly, and Jeff Blaschel made this point Monday, is that you know, Raymond's B or C game is still okay because even if he's not scoring, he's a smart enough player that he's going to be defensively responsible and you're not going to really lose anything just because he's in there and he's not scoring. That's not the case for every, especially young player, young scoring player in the NHL. Some of those guys, if they're not scoring, they might be kind of hurting you. That's not the case with Raymond, and I think that's why he made this team um, whereas I think like, you know, you, you could just kind of see a difference where not to say that Bergen was necessarily hurting the Red Wings, but um, he he just wasn't creating to nearly the level that Raymond was. And, and and I don't think he was as noticeable as Lucas Raymond was. And so, um, you know, I think Bergen, the transition to me seems like it's going to be he was a big time playmaker on the big ice and and he really used that perimeter. And it's going to be an adjustment, I think, for him to get used to the number one, the pace of the NHL game and number two, the parameters of the NHL game. And so I think that was a big difference to maybe explain why I, I've had those flipped and, and, and Valeno, I think looks NHL ready. He just probably didn't make as big of a, you know, kick down the door statement as Lucas Raymond did. I don't, I think he looks like he could absolutely hold his own in the NHL. Um, and, and I expect you'll see him in the NHL for a solid portion of the year. Um, but for Raymond, I think it was just that cut above. It was dynamic offensive. It was responsible defensive. It's, that's the whole picture, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Raymond really impressed me just with his passing ability. Like the goals he was setting up were like cross ice passes, like perfectly played, perfectly read. And that's remarkable for someone as young as he is. Like he kicked the door down, like you said.
2: Absolutely. And I think, you know, especially on the power play, you're talking about those seam passes, like that scenario the Red Wings were really awful last year and they really need a boost. Um, And, and if he can be that kind of difference maker, um, you know, that's, that's huge for them. And so he, he looks like the kind of player who not just can see that pass, but who can kind of set up that pass. He doesn't need to look straight at it right away. He can, he can set you up thinking he's going to shoot and then just slide it across. And yep. um, I think that's really key to, to, to his success and, and their success on the power play now.
1: Yeah. Our successful power play looks remarkably different. Yes. It's only preseason, but how much of it do you think has to do with Alex Tange uh, taking over that compared to um, Dan, definitely some of
2: it you know I I do think it's definitely some of it because I think you saw a really quick passing and and I think you saw the Red Wings kind of using maybe that slot that bumper roll a little bit better um so I definitely think it's part of it there's no doubt about that um but I don't know how much you know like how much of it is him how much of it is bringing in a guy like Nick Letty um and he helps out your power play how much of it is is Lucas Raymond and, and guys like that so it's hard to assign it, but I think I do think you saw the impact of, of Alex Tangay pretty quickly, especially in in, in what, the way the power play was kind of moving.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, the that, Red Wings' other big shiny toy, Moritz Sider, he really is – surprised. I mean, I won't say he surprised me because everybody knew he was good coming off of the fantastic season he had over in Sweden, but he really stood out to me as the Red Wings' best defenseman at least several of the preseason games that I watched him in. Uh, Max, do you think that at some point this season he's going to be playing top pair minutes or do you think it, that they're basically going to just put him as like the middle pair guy with Letty and basically tell him you don't need to be taking the toughest competition all the time. You don't always have to be playing uh, the penalty kill and just sort of let him get his legs underneath them at the NHL level.
2: Yeah, I, I thought he does look like someone who's going to make an impact right away. Now, I, I got to say, like, there were also some mistakes. And I think everyone saw, obviously, the the Patrick Laine play. And there were a few times where I felt like he wasn't quick enough back to a puck. And sometimes that resulted in, obviously, the other team getting possession. And I think those are things that, you know, people need to realize those are going to happen for him. Like, he's mm-hmm. a rookie, and, and he's not going to step in on day one and be like Alex Petrangelo <laughs> or something, right? But I do think he is a really smart player. And I think he's going to be able to make an impact fairly quickly. Um, just because of how smart he is, how long he is, how physical he can be. We didn't see a ton of that, like, physicality, I guess, come out yet in the preseason, but I still think you saw it. And and I really think he's a guy who's going to help the Red Wings drive possession, who's going to help them drive, you know, get the puck out of their end quicker so that they're not having these prolonged periods um, that, that a lot of the dangerous chances against ultimately result from. So I think he's going to make a difference. I think maybe y- you have to kind of live with um, some adjustment time to the pace. And I think that's true of Lucas Raymond too, by the way, I think, you know, you, you can see, he's going to need to learn to play a little higher tempo game uh, part, which is part of the any part of just being NHL talent, part of being the smaller ice sheet. That's true for both of them. Um, but I think, you know, as with Lucas Raymond, I think,
1: more insider is going to help you a lot and certainly a lot more than I think he's going to hurt you. So we brought him up earlier. And if you don't remember from last time, I'm a very big Joe Valeno fanboy. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's just seemed like he's done everything right. Like this summer he bulked up. Like I think they told him he probably needed to put on some weight so he could win those face-offs. He hasn't looked bad. Yes. He's shied away a few times in some of those later preseason games from playing the boards. Um, and you said like he's looked like he's done things right. And well, do you think he has more that he needs to improve? Because there's guys I see on the on the starting like roster they just released that I'm questioning like how they beat him out when I thought he was more, you know, visible than they were to me.
2: Yeah, I know what you're talking about there. I think what it comes down to is they don't want to put Joe Valeno into a fourth line role when you yep. could be playing a first line role in Grand Rapids. Now, again, I think he's going to get called up like pretty quick here. Like there's going to be an injury and he's going to come up. I think as soon as somebody in that top nine needs someone to come up for him, I think Joe Valeno is that guy. He was the last cut today. He looks like he belongs. I'm still personally not sold that he's going to be a a high level scorer necessarily in the NHL. But I do think with the skating, he gives you an element on on exits and entries that is really crucial. I do think he's a good finisher. Um, You saw it on the one timer that he had the other night. I don't think he's necessarily going to be a giant point producer, but I think he's going to be a guy that that really can help you. And I think you know, especially if if the Red Wings have a an opening in the top nine, I think he comes up pretty quick. He looks strong enough to handle it. He was actually really good in the faceoff dot to your point, um, in the preseason. So so that's really interesting. I, I'm curious to see whether they have him at center or on the wing. Um, whenever they do bring him up, probably depends where the opportunity is. But yeah, like I think he looks NHL ready. And and Jeff Blashill has said throughout. The preseason, it's not about being as good as somebody else. It's about showing like you make our team better. Basically it has been his point. And, and I can see a world where they're saying, okay, Joe Valeno is better than the guys on the fourth line. He does make their team better. Um, you know, but is it by so much that it's better for him and everyone to do that rather than him go down to Grand Rapids and play big, big minutes until there's a, you know, a, a spot open where he can play, you know, 14, 15 minutes a night at least. I can understand that too. So I think a lot of it has to do with with his development. I think maybe some of it has to do with preserving their depth. They don't necessarily want to have to wave somebody if they don't have right. to. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I think Joe Valeno had a good preseason. I just don't think it was an amazing preseason.
3: Makes
4: sense. You know, we've seen what the Hawks did last year, and uh, I've kind of been kind of high on – what the Red Wings have done. I mean, I'm high on Lucas Raymond. I think I was probably the highest one on this podcast. Yeah, you about them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, like you said, we're probably going to see Joe Valeno pretty soon. Uh, More excited Bergen, maybe later in the year. Do you think this Red Wings team has a lot of comparables to the Hawks last year with like the young guys stepping up and like a guy like nigelovic coming over from Carolina, steal a couple of games. Like, are they one of those dark horse teams? Like not
2: playoffs, but you know, they ha- have a hot starter too and just get off and running. I don't think so because I still don't think they have kind of that, you know, number one, Chicago last year could score at a, at a level that the Red Wings are not going to be able to score at. Um, Nadelkovich comes in like, it's a really interesting situation to your point. Like, can he kind of be their Lankin and and steal some games for them? You know, it could go either way. He had a huge year last year and it was really, really good. 932 save percentage, and I had to have led the league. Um, one thing I'll say is that when Thomas Grice came into Detroit last year, there was a real transition in terms of getting used to a new system. And, and obviously Detroit's defense, as much as I do think it's improved with Moritz Sider and Nick Letty, still not Carolina's, right? To me, Carolina, no. two or three best blue lines in the league. So Absolutely. I think there's going to be an adjustment period. And I'm curious to see how that goes for him because really Thomas Grice, the whole first half of last season, had a rough go of it as, as he kind of adjusted to the Red Wings. And maybe there's other factors there. It might not have been all adjustment. Sometimes it's just a sample thing. But I do wonder if that happens with Alex Nedeljkovic. You know, Thomas Grice, when he goes through a slump, he's got kind of a decade of NHL experience to draw on confidence yeah, so, so I think it's a good comparison. I just don't know if, if Nadelkovich is ultimately going to be able to get quite as hot as Lankan did to start last year. Um, but, but if they wound up in the same place right around that 909 mark, I think is where Lankan ended up, that wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if Nadelkovich comes back and posts another like, you know, 915, 917 something. But I do think it's going to be really hard to get to that 930 number um, outside mm-hmm. of Carolina. I just found out he's eligible for Calder Calder again. Crazy, dude. (laughs) Three games short of it. And so like this guy was a Calder finalist (laughs)
3: and he's eligible again. That's hilarious. I love that. And we got him for nothing. You you brought up a good point about how they, how Detroit has improved their defense a little bit. I think last year, the thing that I keep thinking about is this time last year, we were trying to figure out where both Detroit and the Hawks would stand. We figured they were, bottom five, you know, bottom five teams. Detroit has improved their defense. They've shored up goaltending a little bit. They've got, you know, some new forwards. The Hawks obviously have completely revamped their roster. I guess my question for you is, you know, looking at the Red Wings team, which we've seen rebuilding consistently slow and steady approach over the last couple of years, the Hawks have been a little, (laughs) a little different Mm -hmm. on and off with the rebuild, but how far away do you think at this point are the red wings really just one more, maybe, maybe that second line center they've been hunting for, for a long time, maybe one more top six scorer away from being competitive. What do you see as still holes for them?
2: It probably depends what you mean by competitive. Like, you know, yes, they need another center. you like, I, and like Pew Suter is going to come in. I think he's going to be a serviceable second line center. You guys are obviously very familiar with him. Yeah. Um, but I, I think what it really is, is is they need kind of what I see is two more really high-level forwards. Um, and and that's kind of your, wow. really, they probably need their two best forwards yet. You know, like if, if you look at the great teams around the league, you take the Red Wings two best and you put them against, you know, Colorado's two best, like <laughs> well. not close, right? Like who, who's Colorado's number three? It's Gabriel Landeskog. To me, if Dylan Larkin can be Gabriel Landeskog, that's a great outcome for the wow. Red Wings, right? And so you're still looking for your McKinnon. You're still looking for your Rantan Can Lucas Raymond be one of them? Maybe, but you, you don't know at this point. And so whether it's him or whether it's you, you go into the draft and you find Somebody else, that's what you need for them to be like a real, real contender. Now, to get into the playoffs, it might only be like I still think they need a lot more scoring. But like okay. when you look at this team, if Jacob Vrana had been healthy, right? And all of a sudden you, you look at how that shakes out, all of a sudden now you got like a Bertuzzi, Larkin, Verana, Raymond, Zadina, Fabry, Suter, top seven forwards, and that's like that's good. you still missing kind of that elite, elite score, but I think Vrana can be a really good scorer. Um, and I think all of a sudden you have the makings of a team that maybe maybe they're a little closer to to being dangerous, especially a year from now when you have a year under Raymond's belt. But I think this is going to be another rocky year for them. If I'm honest, like I think it's going to be bottom bottom five, maybe bottom ten. Um, and you know, I think you're going to see like Don Larkin bounce back, and I think it's going to be an important year when you see like Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider developing. But I don't really necessarily see a step forward in the standings per se you know what i mean for sure absolutely it's
1: gotta cross our fingers for shane right then <laughs>
3: <laughs> you're not gonna get a
1: first overall pick we never do we either drop or we stay where we are
0: uh, max one other thing i kind of wanted to talk to you about um like you said the wings are missing in my opinion and i think you'd agree that top like I won't say elite, but like that superstar, like true superstar level guy, like a Nathan McKinnon, like a Sidney Crosby, a Conor McDavid, like Patrick those Kane. guys who can really, <laughs> yes, Patrick Kane, those yeah. guys who really can move the needle on their own. If Detroit, I mean, Detroit's in a great spot, I think, cap-wise. Do you think in maybe two or three years of Steve Eisman saying, hey, we're you know, looking at what we have, we're missing everything, but that piece. Do you think Steve Eisman might be the guy who goes out and says, all right, we're either going to get him by free agency, or we're going to sell the farm for a little bit and hope that this guy does pan out for Jack Eichel.
3: Well, (laughs) interesting
2: question. I mean, he has not given any reason to think that he's the type who's going to push in, you know, a a godfather free agency deal. Right. And I, I also don't think he particularly likes trading draft picks. And so, um, I think they really want to build to the draft. I think they're committed to building through the draft. Now in the scenario that you outline and they're this one big piece away, you know, if you're one giant piece away, are you really one piece away? I guess would be my question. If you got everything except your Austin Matthews, well, no one's given you Austin Matthews. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? If you, I mean, I guess like who's the best, John Tavares is the best center who's come away um, in, in free agency in the last few years And if you're a John Tavares away, that means, well, all I need to be good is uh, like an 80 point 40 goal centerman who I got to pay $11 million a year. And I guess I kind of have a hard time seeing the Red Wings being in a position to where when you're missing that 80 point, you know, 40 goal centerman, can you even really observe that that's all you need? I mean, everyone wants that guy, but are you willing to pay $11 million for seven years to get him? I don't know. And I don't know that they will be like, you know, I don't know how I don't know how Toronto necessarily could necessarily say that they feel amazing about where that contract is right now. Now, Toronto, I think in my opinion, should have gone a lot farther than they have to the point that it would justify it by now, but a year or two from now, John Tavares at $11 million is going to be a problem for them, right? Like he's not going to be the John Tavares that he's been forever. And Mm -hmm. typically this is right around the age where you start to see it dip. Right. And so in order for a guy to get to free agency, he has to either have been in the league for seven years or be 27. Those are the two minimum categories, right? If a guy's not 27 and he's been in the league for seven years, that probably means that he was one of these instantly elite first, second, third overall picks who got into the league at 18 or 19. And those guys teams do everything to keep wrapped up. Alexander Barkov just got extended the other day. He's an example of that. Nathan McKinnon could be a free agent a year from now no fucking chance call. (laughs) You know what I mean? So that guy just doesn't get to free agency that often. And so to me, the number one thing they need is that elite high level scoring center, two way center, whatever it might be. I think Shane Wright can be that. I think Shane Wright can be that with some defense mixed in. Um, but you don't, you get Shane Wright in the draft. And if you don't get him in the draft, you got to develop something else. You got to go for Logan Cooley. Who's in the same draft. You got to think about Matt Savoie who's in the same draft. Maybe it's next year and you're, you're getting Adam Fantilli. But to me, I like, I don't see necessarily the Red Wings. Now, if it's two or three years from now to your, to your question, maybe something's different, but I have a hard time seeing them building through free agency more so than
1: through the draft. Um, talking about building through free agency and talking about a name we joked about earlier we talk about other teams and the biggest team we talk about with the issues they have is the just dumpster fire that is buffalo um and we talk about jack eichel and the tarnished relationship that he has with the ownership there is there any possibility eiserman makes a move
2: I don't rule out anything from Steve Eiserman, but you know, there's so many moving – and this is, this is going to be true for every team, right? There's so many moving parts to a Jack Eichel trade. Number one, he's injured. Like, are you going to do the disc replacement surgery with him? If you're willing to do the disc replacement surgery, then you can go on to step two. Uh, and step two is, okay, what is it going to cost me in terms of prospects um, to get this guy? And, you know, say what you will – about the fact that he's an injured player the fact that it's very clearly not going to work out there i still don't think buffalo is letting this guy walk for cheap you're not going to steal jack eichel from them for a bunch of your b prospects you know contrary to what a lot of people on twitter might think (laughs) now i don't think you're necessarily going to get for jack eichel what you would have gotten for a healthy jack eichel a whole public spectacle but you're going to give up multiple firsts i think and you're going to give up one of your best prospects i would imagine now if i'm wrong I'm wrong. But to me, it's Jack Eichel. When he's healthy, he's one of the ten best centers in the NHL. He's the kind of guy we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Red Wings, are you willing to give up your next two first round picks and a former first round pick, whether that's Edvinson, I don't think it's going to be Cider or Raymond at this point. You know, whatever it might be, whether it's, you know, a combination of Valeno and somebody else, whether it's a Zadina. You know, if I told you you could have Jack Eichel for Zadina and two firsts the next two firsts, would you do it? You might, but you're getting an injured Jack Eichel and you're punting on your odds at Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Madhvi Michkov, all those guys. You're punting it instantly.
1: Mm-hmm. Now
2: you have Jack Eichel, that's great, but you're punting on two whole draft classes and, and are you one Jack Eichel away? I don't think they're one Jack Eichel away. Ah. So to me, I don't think it necessarily makes sense but I don't want to rule out anything for Steve Eiserman. And if the cost is lower than I think it is, then maybe there's a way that it does make sense for them. But I, I just think when you're talking about Jack Eichel, you got
1: to be willing to pay what a team will reasonably expect to get in return for Jack Eichel. So what you're saying is a bag of pucks and a hot and ready pizza won't do. <laughs> that is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's okay. going to be. Well, um, I'm out. Um...
4: That, that's what they took for Taylor Hall, but not Jack Eichel this time. Oh, Taylor Hall. Uh. I mean, I know I asked this last year to wrap up the interview. I know uh, we're getting close to your time. You know, you would. I think you got one of them. You got. You had Tampa Bay going back to the Cup final last year. What's your prediction
2: this season? I got the Isles this year, and I think oh, they've been wow. really close. They're, they're. to me. I've been blown away by the New York Islanders and the way that they've. It. That, we were just talking about John Tavares. Imagine John Tavares <laughs> on the Islanders, right? Like uh, on on this group, but but really they rallied around this identity that Barry. T- trots brought with him to the island they blow me away every postseason um i'm, I'm picking them to do it this year i love their defense now they, they do lose nick letty um spoiler for one of my articles that's going to come out this week i'm predicting in my column that lou Lamarillo trades and gets nick letty back before oh you know, huh.
3: okay i are
2: gonna go win the stanley cup um i i just think i think the world of that group and the way that they play who do you got going from the west well, I'd love to say Colorado, but I honestly think Colorado might be one of the teams that can beat the Isles in a seven-game series. So <laughs> if I'm picking the Isles to win, I guess I better go with, like, Winnipeg. How about Winnipeg? Ooh, okay. Okay. That's spicy. I mean, winnipeg. if Hellbuck has a great year, it's
4: a distinct possibility. I mean, they they improve their top four this yeah. offseason as well. Yeah
2: I love their forwards. You're right. They definitely improve their defense. You know, Vegas is always going to be there. They're a threat no matter what. Edmonton, I think this could be a year where Edmonton is a threat. But yeah, give, give me the Winnipeg Jets. So
4: Isles Jets, all right. They're you heard it here from first, from folks. Yeah, call it Vegas but, though. Uh,
1: no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Vegas' draft is ridiculous. See it else was meh. Uh, Max, I think I I think we kind of have to wrap this question or this interview with the most important question of all. As this tradition, how many spots are the Red Wings gonna drop in this year's draft? <laughs> But no, all jokes aside, seriously, where do you see the Wings finishing this season? Because, I mean, like, like you said, I, I don't think they're a playoff team either. I think they're still a couple pieces away. But I think they did make some improvements this year. They did. I, I
2: just think that some of the issues they're going to have is, is it's a really tough division that they're still in. And I think a lot of the teams that are kind of in their grouping, you know, like L.A. went and got way better this offseason. Yeah. They, they added mm-hmm. you know, Victor Arvidsson and Phillip Deneau. And I think they're going to be a lot better this year. Um, and, and Ottawa, I think, takes another step forward. I'm trying to think who else was in toward the bottom. New Jersey, I think, takes a step forward. So I've got the Red Wings finishing right about fifth from the bottom this year, pretty similar to what they were last year. I think it's an important year nonetheless in terms of the strides you're going to see young guys take. Um, but I can't really necessarily, for me, bring myself to, to pick them to go to do a whole lot better until I see something
1: that tells me it's going to happen. So finishing fifth would put us at about an 8.5% chance of the first pick. So we'll probably get the eighth pick. <laughs> well, they couldn't drop any lower than seventh. seventh, yeah, seventh. seventh. Oh, yeah. So we'll get seventh.
0: Could be.
4: <laughs> Got to get the official uh, Shane Wright hashtag going early this season.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, Max, Great. we're, we're going to go ahead and uh, thank you for joining us. We, like I said, we want to respect your time constraints, so we're going to let you go. Um, For anybody who is tuned in and, you know, has liked this interview – um please check out the athletic. It is a fantastic website. It's got tons of news. It's got podcast stuff on it. It follows literally all the major sports. Like I said, it's got baseball. It's got hockey. It's got NFL. It's got European soccer. Like it's got all the major sports. And the thing is, it costs like a cup of coffee from Starbucks a month. Like tell Starbucks, hold off on the vanilla Frappuccino for two days and you've got the cost of your subscription covered. You're asking your body- a lot, Jordan. <laughs> Tim needs his
1: Apple Crisp mock. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you understand.
0: <laughs> Seriously, please check it out and no. it's a tons of great content. It's quality content, not clickbaity type stuff. This is it's the sort of content you expect from a premium service, which is what Max is a part of. And it's fantastic content. Check it out. Check Max's content out because he does great coverage for the Red Wings and he does it all year round. And it's nice to have somebody on the ground floor for us giving quality content instead of, like I said, clickbaity stuff. So please check out the Athletic.
1: Yeah, can confirm the Athletic is awesome. Like you can favorite teams from every sport you can think of that you like, so your your feed will just be articles from all those teams. So I'll constantly see, you know, articles from Max pop up, and I gotta give them a read.
2: Well, I really appreciate you guys saying all that, and uh, and for having me back. Thanks for letting me, me come back again. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime too, before too long. We love that.
1: Thank you. Go ahead, Max. All right. Thank you.
0: Max, have a good evening.